What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Dostromsky. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's The Answer. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined, as always, by Sirit Zoe. What's up, Sirit? How's it going, Chris? It's going absolutely wonderfully. Thank you so much for asking. Today, we are joined by Justin Verrier, the big homie. What's up, Justin? Hey, guys. I got a chance to go and uh, express myself on Bill Simmons' podcast yesterday in his four-hour extravaganza, so... Everybody knows James Harden was traded to the 76ers for Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, uh, oh yeah, Ben Simmons, and a couple of first round picks. So that was the big news of yesterday, and I wanted to get some uh, some of Justin and Sirrett's feelings on the matter, because like I've obviously got like a vested interest in the Sixers and this working out for the Sixers. Um, but I also thought we could talk a little bit about the state of the super team today, because with the disillusion of the uh, Brooklyn Nets trio that played all of 16 games together over the course of a season and a half and the state of the Lakers I think at least in terms of the NBA's glossiest and glitziest franchises and rosters they're in a little bit of state of disrepair or at least a crossroads where it's like you know maybe having these three max contract big ego NBA all-star names at the top end of your roster makes it incredibly hard hard to like navigate uh, the contemporary NBA so I thought we could talk a little bit about that I want to start off though Siri, why don't you just give me like, give me a little dose of reality. How, how, how do you feel about the Simmons-Harden trade? Yeah, I'm not the person to bring you down to earth. I love this for the Sixers, honestly. I think uh, if anything, I would go, I, I would go a little bit skeptical on the Nets. I have no idea what's going to go, what's going to happen there. Uh, but I love the fit, you know, I love the fit. I think, I think Harden and Embiid can play like super small together and just isolate and, you know, they'll learn to, to you know, have pick and roll chemistry over time and they can, they can just be super versatile. And I, f- I feel like it's going to look like a kind of weird version of Harden and Chris Paul in Houston. 
uh, where they kind of turn Chris Paul into an isolation player. Um, it's obviously just a little bit more natural for Embiid and Harden, and they won't be getting in each other's way either. So I love it. I feel like they're going to get along too. You know, I think that's something we've got to talk about with both of these teams. But I just yeah. have this sneaking suspicion. <laughs> I just feel like Harden and Embiid are kind of like, they'll they'll coalesce off the court. Uh, yeah, I think that there will be a support system for Harden off the court if you get my drift. Chris, do you hear that? You get one season together. <laughs> you know, you might make the Western Conference Finals and just flame out spectacularly. Congrats, <laughs> man. That hasn't happened for Philly ever with Joel Embiid. What, wait, what is it, though, about, about Maury that just can get to Harden in a way that nobody else can? If I had to guess, I would imagine that, like, he understands the, let's just say, infrastructure that James Harden mm. needs to perform at his best. So I <laughs> yeah. think that uh, over the course of the modern... couldn't get that in New York? I don't know. I don't know what happened in New York. I want to get to that <laughs> because I think I really want to talk a little bit about like... The Nets have a great infrastructure. I, they have they have a brand new practice facility. That's true. I mean, yeah. I need the oral history of what happened in Brooklyn. I need to know because like there's been rumors. There's been stuff that Kyrie Irving has since shot down. We had the... The spectacle of the NBA All Star Draft last night with Harden or with uh, Durant and LeBron, and we can get to all that. Justin, I was watching a um, I think on Twitter yesterday. So I think um, uh, somebody who's like kind of like in the orbit of Sixers Twitter. I for- I forget who it was, so I apologize. <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah, was just like put put together a a clip package, and they were like, the Sixers have never had this, and it was just James Harden bringing the ball up and shooting a three. Mm. <laughs> And that that seemed like a really low bar for something that the Sixers could have acquired. But I I thought about it and we really haven't had that uh, in in my memory. What are your feelings on the trade? Are you ready to come back down to earth then? Because I don't love this. Like, I don't want to say I hate it, but I'm very lukewarm on this. I feel like they just traded each other their own problems. And for now, it kind of resets them. And we get to explore different new drama and new things with each of them. But I almost wonder if these are short-term solutions, particularly in Brooklyn, if you want to just start there quickly. It's just like, I kind of feel like the Nets made the trade that the Sixers had been rumored to be considering for the past couple months, where it's like, oh, this is a stopgap trade. We'll just get whatever we can just to kick the can down the road. And I do wonder if more issues are to follow. Like, for instance, I love Seth Curry, but like Seth Curry, Patty Mills, and Joe Harris, it's just very much like the Spider-Man three-way meme. It's just like, how many small shooters can you really have on one team going forward? Then Ben Simmons is just like, is this dude going to be happy being essentially the fourth or fifth option on another team? Like maybe he's just looking at this as like, Hey, for the 20 games that Kyrie isn't here, I'm just going to showcase myself and like work my way to another team. And for the Sixers, like I think they'll figure it out. Stars typically almost always figure it out, except for, I guess the Brooklyn Brooklyn. (laughs) and the Lakers. (laughs) I have my, but I do have fit concerns. Like I, I definitely think like Harden wants to be more of a switcher on defense. Whereas Embiid wants to drop back. I, I definitely wonder like, you know, if there's enough space there. Uh, and I also wonder if Harden is washed. Like, like we should, that's a huge part of this. Like he's 32 years old, definitely doesn't have the burst. And a big part of his game is actually selling the threat of getting to the rim in order to shoot those step back threes. And on top of this, he's been what this is like his fifth superstar teammate in like four mm-hmm. to five years, like Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, all the nets. This is five. Like how do you trust anything with this guy? 
So how does that feel? Yeah, this feels a little bit fast. That's that's like one of the things that's been going through my mind this entire time is just I'm 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 having a little bit of whiplash. You know, I'm still really excited for for the Harden Kyrie KD Nets to finally get a chance to like really string some games together. I thought they were really good when they actually did get to play together. They were th- 13 and 3 in the games that they played with one another. <laughs> yeah. I'm still there, you know? I'm still spiritually there. I'm still I'm still, you know, game 7 Durant's foot on the line, Harden's got a hamstring, and and Kyrie's out. And it's just, you know, we never really got to see the full version of that team, and I actually would have really liked to see it. I thought they were really fun. They were pretty destructive. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Harden's, Harden's like, got this thing where, like, I mean, it's, it, was thir- it was 13 months and 16 games, and it's... It's weird. I feel I feel like he just cuts out a little early sometimes. You know, I think Chris Paul and, and James Harden might have been able to work it out at, at, at some juncture. You know, like it's just kind of it, it's just a little bit quick, and it it, it kind of it's like become it, it, like to to Justin's point, it becomes one of those dating cliches of like you know if the guy that you're dating left another girl for you. Uh, because he was frustrated and he couldn't get through like the first actual problem you guys had like and now all of a sudden he's like really happy in his honeymoon phase i don't know like what's gonna happen in a year i know nothing about that by the way just to clarify Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my personal dating i'm gonna tell you a personal anecdote okay so when i was a freshman in college i went to temple university which is in philadelphia and is only about five minutes from where my parents lived so i had the choice between Living from living at home or living in the dorms, but I was like, I want the experience. Even though like I could probably save a little bit of money, I want the experience of living in a dorm. So move in Temple dorms, first day, walk in, meet my roommate. Nothing but nothing but fish CDs. He's like, I love fish. Fish is really important. Let's listen to fish. Do you want to go to a fish show? This is like first five minutes. I listen to this guy's monologue, and in the back of my head, the the whole time, I'm just like, fuck this. And I'm like, I'm choosing free laundry over listening to fish all the time. I'm going home. And I wound up living Mm. at home for my freshman year. I tell you this story because I think that's what happened with Harden. I think Mm. that he basically got to his freshman dorm. He was rooming with Kyrie and he was just like, fuck this and left. Now, I don't know if Joe Varden's story in The Athletic that came out yesterday, which I found deeply amusing, as did Kyrie Irving, because he called uh, Joe Varden a simpleton, basically. But in Joe Varden's story in The Athletic, he tells this story about a game in Cleveland in January where Kyrie burned sage to kind of cleanse uh, the visiting locker room or Cleveland as a city from like the the sort of like metaphorical ghosts that were kind of haunting him from his time in Cleveland. And that James, quote, looked at Kyrie like he had three heads. Now, mm. uh, this could be gossip. This could be uh, true. I don't know. Maybe this is why James Harden was just like, I got to get out of here. But for this particular case, I would have to imagine that something went so wrong in Brooklyn that it tr- it superseded Harden's relationship with Durant, which is what I thought was the reason why he went and got himself traded to Brooklyn in the first place. Do you guys have any thoughts? Justin, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm happy for you that you got away from the fish guy, but what did your parents say? Like they were happy to have me back. You know, I was a pretty yeah. I was a pretty decent person when I was like that age. And then I think I got a little bit less <laughs> manageable. I I turned myself into a little bit of like a mid period hardened figure. Yeah. But what about all the draft picks that they, they shelled out in order to get you that sweet dorm room, you know? It was sort of more like when David Stern nixed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers. 
you know they just brought mm-hmm. me back home to find me a, a, a different location but yeah i mean it, you can you can certainly blame harden for not having the fortitude to like see this out and i think that maybe there was some writing on the wall when he didn't uh opt in or when he didn't you know do the extension when he had the opportunity in the off season but i'm just really mystified as to you know you, you would say I, you would have to think that james harden had a better chance to win in brooklyn with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant than he does in Philadelphia with Joel Embiid. Like, just objectively, right? Like, they went to the semifinals last year. They were one inch away from beating the Bucs with Katie's shot at the end of the game. And, like, that was Harden playing on one leg and no Kyrie. You know, like, that was how good they were. They almost beat the eventual champs. So, like, what drew him out of Brooklyn or what made him want to leave Brooklyn? And there's only a couple of candidates, but, like, we still don't really know who it is. Yeah, I think the, the Sage thing is really telling. Because in, in normal circumstances, I think this is a situation where you just let somebody live. Like, everybody has rituals. Um, sure. You know, players pray before games. Or take that naps. That is, on some yeah. level, like, kind of a, a similar thing. It, fe- it feels like, if it's, if it's true and if, it, if the look was real, it feels like one of those things where, like, it's something innocuous that starts to piss you off once a person themselves is already pissing you off. And then yes. you're just like, then you're just out. And if he was that level of annoyed with, with Kyrie on January 17th, like that was before the nine game losing streak. Right. Right. The strange thing to me, I guess, is just that it's a nine game losing streak and you're, you're out for, for parts of it, which I mean, we'll, we'll figure out how much that was real within like a week or so. Um, and KD's out for parts of it too. I mean, KD's out for the whole thing. It just it feels like a moment to weather the storm, you know? Yeah. It's it just it's just so weird, I guess. And I guess may- maybe that's just because we don't have a deeper answer to this. And maybe there is a deeper answer to this, but I don't know. It's just it just it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of depth going on. What if he's just like not a nice guy? <laughs> you know, like I, I think there might actually. Yeah, I just think he's like a bad coworker, and which is fine, like because he's so talented that a lot of people want to work with him. But I do think he's going to cause a lot of workplace issues, and like maybe Daryl's just has the temperament in order to deal with that, and like he knows the value of that, and he's so obsessed with this idea of just getting stars at all costs that he's willing to deal with it. Because by all accounts, every all the whispers out of Houston, Daryl dealt with a lot. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Longest view in the room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we're going to find out the rap on Daryl Morey's team building style is that it sacrifices chemistry for like an almost cutthroat acquisition of pure talent over not necessarily fit because I do think he gives consideration as to whether or not like multiple guys can play on the floor together. And, you know, I'm going to give him a pass on the Westbrook thing because I still think that that was... That was ownership over Daryl, you know, if, if mm. I had to guess that the, the Chris Paul for Westbrook trade had more to do with ownership and Harden, maybe not wanting to play Paul anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But ultimately, I think that he has obviously figured out a way to work with James that allows James to perform at his best while also living the lifestyle he wants to live let's just put it that way and I don't even know really like what that actually means but that obviously like when Harden was playing at his MVP best in Houston yes like he would have those playoff collapses but to me it's like you know one of the things I think we need to correct is this idea that like the Sixers led by Embiid were on the precipice of a championship without Harden they were not Mm -hmm. they are a second round out continually and even the t- you know whether it's the the Kawhi triple bounce whether it's the 
Ben Simmons giving up the pass to Thibault, like the Sixers were a second round team as currently constituted. So bringing in Harden, despite his playoff baggage, I think it's just like it's it's ultimately going to be an opportunity for them to get past that second round. Now, the funny thing is, is that they are now one of five or six teams in the East that I think have a legitimate like shot at winning the conference. Like we talked about this a little bit on Bill's pod. It's kind of a blood sport. Justin, like, do you see the Sixers being like on the level of, say, where Miami and Milwaukee and, and honestly, Chicago are right now? Yes. I mean... I definitely do have concerns there, especially after Embiid has just been dominating everyone. I, I do wonder if, like how much he's willing to share the limelight there if he's expecting James to play off of him as opposed to the other way around there. But like that's an amazing, talented big two right there. And it seems like there are a lot of those just dotting the East right now to the point where like it's really hard to distinguish them. Um, I guess I would default to Milwaukee just because of institutional knowledge and just uh, the fact that they are kind of coming around of late uh, last night's loss to the Suns notwithstanding. And we'll see what, like, I guess Serge Ibaka gives them uh, if he doesn't have another back injury where, like, he and Brooke Lopez are both sharing the same uh, uh, bed in the training room. But, like, it's really hard to pick a favorite right now. If anything, like, I almost gravitate toward Brooklyn for the same default reasons we did earlier in the season where it's like, if Kyrie is playing, if Kevin Durant is healthy, like, they have enough to where best player wins, and Kevin Durant is probably still the best player in the Eastern Conference. Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they, they've got they've got two MVP-type players. Uh, they've got a ton of shooting around them. I think they'll be able to stylistically play the same. Um, which I think matters a lot more than the, than it used to as well. Uh, when you have so many teams that have been able to marry talent and style, you kind of have to be able to match up with that. And I think they'll be able to do that. I really love them, honestly, on paper so far. Uh, I was actually curious, you know, looking back at some of the past Sixers teams, this could end up being the best iteration. Obviously, that's a hope, right? I think to me, like that Jimmy Butler team was really, really good, but... I really think that they're kind of it's for both sides on paper if like everybody's playing and healthy it's it's a great trade because it just kind of it allows Simmons to do what he wants to do it allows Harden to do what he wants to do yeah they've got enough you know and they've got they've got two real shot creators so yeah I think I think it's great and also like you know if if we want to move on to the kind of the Lakers nets of all of this I'm curious what you guys think of like the idea of having two superstars and then being able to have super role players around them versus having, you know, a big three and then just trying to, like, get to, like, you know, I think cobble together a bunch of minimum deals in order to make it work. I straight up think it's better for the sport for it to be like this. I just, mm-hmm. I just think it's, like, better for the league to have half a dozen contenders in a conference rather than two breakaway obvious super teams and everybody else is sort of like deluding themselves into thinking that they can they can get anywhere i think Mm -hmm. it's just more fun when the talent's a little bit more dispersed we've had 10 years of these teams coming together with this high concentration of all nba level talent and i think it's fun when it works and i think it's interesting when it doesn't work on like just a straight up basketball level and and you can just see like there's obviously an inherent thing that happens when these guys all come together where there are moments of basketball euphoria like the KD Warriors teams and then there are just like obvious like just big ego problems that happen like the KD Warriors so I think that (laughs) it's more interesting to me to have two guys on six teams than three guys on two teams Justin what do you think no I definitely agree with that I mean 
What's interesting is when the big three formed in Miami a couple of years ago, and we all had to put together big three content. The more you look at it, the more it was a lot of big twos. And then like another guy you're shoehorning in in order to make it a big three, like Jordan and Pippen and BJ Armstrong, you know, and like Kobe and Shaq and, and Devin George. Disrespect it's just like, to Horace Grant right now. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. But like, I mean, there have been a lot of pretty dominant big twos throughout the course of history. And I almost wonder if big three, like we get caught up in like that being the number, but I almost wonder if a big three is more a product of circumstance and like assets than anything else. Like for instance, the Miami Heat, like those guys all happen to time their contracts at the same time. And the Miami Heat happened to have the cap space in order to bring two two of those guys to play with Wade, right? Mm -hmm. But with like LeBron and AD, for instance, like they had to get rid of all of their assets in order to trade for AD. So that's LeBron and AD and that's why they're like that and that's why they have supplementary players. The Nets formed the big three because they had so much extra shit lying around even after getting Kyrie and Durant because the just the front office was just so good at that that like they were able to trade for a a third star and like you're not going to ever turn down a third star. That's the whole point of this whole like raw roster building exercises just to get as much talent on, on a team as possible. But like, I, I do wonder if this net scenario is, is forcing us to ask some tough questions where it's like, well, maybe certain players actually do better not having to share the ball with two guys, or maybe actually we need to consider personality and the interpersonal part of this way more than we had before. I think the Bucks are a big three. You know, it's just about the fact that the other two are like, superstar role players yeah they're almost like a big one with like two b level guys yeah and even though those guys get paid like you know like superstars i think that they understand their role within the ecosystem of the bucks and the bucks went through the bucks ate a lot of shit over the years trying to figure out how to like be the best version of the bud team that they could be and there was a moment there where i think we were all like this is it bud's gonna get fired like they're gonna like they're gonna have to retool this whole thing and maybe Giannis is gonna leave and there was some darkness before the dawn with Milwaukee. And now I think that we've gotten to the place where we're like, just even if they have like this kind of stop start regular season, most of the people, when you're like on pods with folks and you're like, who do you think is going to ease? They're just like Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Like they're just like this, there's this incredible trust in what Milwaukee is capable of. Do you think Sirit, that like, it's maybe not the concept of a big three, but it, it's more about who those three are every time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, if you look at that Heat team, Chris Bosh was able to take on a little bit more of a super role player role. Like, he's the guy who had to change his game the most, became, you know, a really dynamic defender, uh, expanded his range, started setting more screens. Like, if you you got to have one of those guys that's willing to do that or is already kind of designed to do that in a certain way. And also, like, I, I was thinking about those teams last last night. When you look at the drama of the last, you know, 13 months with the Nets, uh, the last six months with the Lakers, obviously the spotlight is so much bigger now than it was then. But, you know, as you said, you guys were creating heat content at the time. I was I was consuming. Um, thank you very much. It was... It was it was an onslaught, right? It was it was from all directions, and it was it had never been like that before. Uh, so it's almost incredible to me that those guys like had that that you know finals loss that they had, and like the world is crashing down on LeBron, and you know is is Spolstra really supposed to be coaching this team, and all these questions, and and they actually were able to bounce back from it because that's like I think what we're seeing is that it's really difficult to do that when there's this much. Like, you know, I, th- I think being malleable is just a lot easier when you don't have that, that much of a spotlight on you, you know? So, like, that on its face impresses me, but the changes that they made were were really good, too, And that, like, you know, Bosch took on 
that role more. Uh, Wade kind of conceded that he's not the best player. And role player wise, that's where I think the biggest difference came because that first year, if you guys remember, like they're trying to like teach Joel Anthony how to catch like the fastest passes in the world um, and, 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 you know, really play the five. And then the next year they just shifted and they got a bunch of shooters. And then that's like, that's how they became the Miami Heat and like the prelude to all of these like, you know, amazing, you know, Warriors teams and all that stuff. Uh, but it's just kind of about being able to weather the storm, I think, long enough to make, make changes. And, you know, you look at the Lakers fit wise, like, you know, they had the big two formula and it worked, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and they, they kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't really get this with, I have a LeBron theory, um, because I'm just I'm just trying to make sense of of what's going on. I think he is subconsciously challenging himself in like newer and newer ways because he's just bored and he doesn't realize it. Could it just be that he's getting older? It could be, but like you know, try to get like you know, let, let's sign Westbrook. Like let's let, let's play big ball. It's like come on, man. Like you had the formula, you got AD. Like you, you know what to do from here, and they just always did something different. Listen, I know that we're very much in the player empowerment era, and like more power to these guys for just like taking all that they can but -hmm. when you take the power you actually have to do the job and it just seems like LeBron of late hasn't been a particularly good GM and like Kevin Durant just seems like he doesn't want to deal with like the particulars of like navigating a big three when you have three big egos and Kyrie uh, and James Harden and like it seems like if you want to loop in his Warriors era, it just seems like he's just not that good at like really doing the things that LeBron did earlier in his career, orchestrating his moves, but doing them with intent and with like a clear vision of like what he wanted and like the team he wanted around him once he got there. Yeah. I mean, when you, so like you can take a step back with Brooklyn and in a way, <laughs> this is pretty funny when you say it like this, but in a way Brooklyn traded, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, James Harden, Paul Millsap, and like a varying amount of picks for Simmons, Curry, Drummond, and some other picks. Mm -hmm. Like that's really funny that that's what wound up happening. They traded like two and a half all-stars for Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, and Seth Curry. Well, which side of that trade would you want? Well, I mean, obviously it wasn't like a one-for-one where all those guys wound up on one team. One side of that trade is a four seed in the East right now, so I'd take that. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, I think that you're right, Justin. Like I do think that you know, I was watching LeBron after the Portland loss, and you know, I mean, he just got his ass kicked in Oregon. Like, I'm sure he was just like, I'm, I don't really want to talk about this, but he was like, I'm, I'm really tired. And they were like, Do you mean tired, like, like emotionally, or tired, like, you know, you're tired of losing? And he's just like, No, I'm sleepy. I want to, I want to have a glass of wine and go to bed. We're in a fog. This sucks. And I was like, Right, but like, you wanted Westbrook. And 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 Palinka basically said that yesterday. Rob Palinka like basically was just like, I can't make people trade with us. Like, <laughs> there's there's a there's a limit to what you are allowed to do in this league, and we have Westbrook under a very very onerous contract, and there's just going to be a limit to the amount of the people want to help the Lakers out. Believe it or not. Mm. Now on the flip side with Durant, it was really interesting watching him on Inside the NBA. Hilarious, just amazing content. Like one of them was sincerely, it almost like washed away the stink of the last six to really nine funny. months with Simmons yeah. to watch this happen. But there was something kind of funny about like, so there's just this elephant in the room, like that, that Harden just got just asked out to play to not play with Durant and Irving and got traded to the Sixers while also saying that he had a hamstring injury and a hand injury. 
And I don't know what of that is true. And I don't know what KD thought of it. And I don't know whether KD like quote unquote chose Kyrie. Like I feel like the only way we can like really think about these things are in the most high school of terms. But I would be really interested to know whether or not Kevin Durant ever tried to be like, let's figure this stuff out. Like we moved mountains to make sure Harden could come to Brooklyn. We imagine this big three, like we can try and iron out some of the personality differences. Or if it's just as simple as once somebody comes in the door, when the actual management part of it takes comes to light, when you actually have to like be like, okay, this person has a problem with this today. We're going to work this out. We're going to figure out processes by which this person can do their job better, whatever. He's just like, nah, I just want to hoop. (laughs) Yeah. You know, which which is what he usually says all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to play basketball. I just care about basketball. I just care about basketball. But obviously, like, you, you know, you can't have it both ways is obviously what you're saying, Justin. And I think that that's, that's an interesting part about, like, there's big threes and then there's big threes where some of the big three become shadow GMs. And then you get agencies involved and you get, like, a lot of power struggles involved. I mean, that's, like, a pretty re- well-reported part of this Simmons and B thing was, like, clutch CAA stuff that was happening within the Sixers organization. That was a little bit, obviously, more in the previous administrations there. But these things actually do make a big impact on the on the franchises. Sarah, do you think that if Sean Marks could do it all over again, where do you think he would have pumped the brakes? Do you think it would have been trading for Harden in the first place? Do you think it would have been saying to Harden, we don't care if you leave for free in the summer? Like, we'll work out a sign and trade with you with wherever you want to go, but like play with us for the second half of the season. Like, where do you think Sean Marks, the GM of the Nets could have said, Hey, I'm not, I'm not blanking here. Honestly, I, I would actually take it back. I would have challenged KD and Kyrie a little bit on the Deandre Jordan point. <laughs> do you re- like, this is really going to be making make or break for you guys. Like, That's a perfect on. example of what Justin was talking about. Yeah. This is now DeAndre Jordan has now joined two teams where it's just like, why is this dude here? He's unplayable. I'm sure he's a sweetheart, but why is he here? And it was like, because we like him and because we want to hang out with him in the locker room. Okay, but it costs money. Mm-hmm. It limits what we can do. You guys want shooters. You guys want athleticism. You guys want whatever you need. Like, that is money that we can't spend on those things. Yeah, right. I mean, there's there's two points to that, right? Like, there's one. it's one thing to want a guy like DeAndre Jordan in the locker room, right? Like, I completely understand that. I also understand also just having him off the bench. You know, I think there were... There were times that he was able to play some spot minutes against Giannis and like, you know, throw a different look at him. I don't think he's like your guy against him, but you know, you can catch some lobs and he's big and you want to have just like that thing coming off the bench, right? Don't have to give him $10 million. Don't have to like just say, hey, you're going to play a ton of minutes and you don't have to prioritize him over Jarrett Allen, right? Like, I think there's a certain point where you got to get, you got to just get to your players and say, hey, like, look, you want to win a championship, right? So, you know, like this guy can also like if if we decide to keep him instead, right? This guy can he can play alongside James Harden, he can throw some lobs. Uh the you know, he we have Joel Embiid and, and Giannis in, in the East, uh Bam Adebayo developing, like might want to have a legitimate interior presence who can who can play every single mm-hmm. type of defensive coverage that we have. That might that might actually help us down the line in the playoffs. And I don't know, I don't know, maybe they do maybe they did have those conversations, maybe those conversations didn't work. At a certain point, like, I think you also just got to say, like, hey, well, you know what? You're signed, so we're just going to do what we want. And you're going to get over that thing. You know, you might not get over the James Harden thing. And I think maybe that's that's the same move with, with LeBron in the offseason, too, where it's like, dude, you're here, and 
okay, yeah, you can say that you're going to go to another team, but, like, we know how much you care about your legacy, and you're old now, and your family's in L.A. Like, are you really going to do that? Are you really going to do that now? I don't think so. So, I'm like, just, I'm going to make a call because it's my job, and you're just going to listen. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that that just doesn't happen anymore. And I don't know. Like, so this whole thing, this whole thing, maybe I need to do a therapy session with you guys because I just... All of my thoughts make me feel so old right now about all of this. I'm just like, this is fast. Everyone's kind of quitting. Um, you know, like the player empowerment thing is like, maybe, I don't know. I don't think it's gone too far. It's just a matter of like, let other people do their jobs. This kind of leads to my question that I was going to ask Justin, because I was going to ask like sort of from, from 30,000 feet up. Is this like a little out of control now, Justin? Like we've got like, if you just had the basketball this season, you've got this incredible Grizzlies story. You've got this like can't be killed Cavs team. You've got Chicago playing awesome. You've got Miami playing awesome. You've got the revival of the Warriors and the the solidification of the Suns. Like there's cool stories everywhere. There's interesting young players everywhere. On any given night, Luka drops 51 or just dissects a team. Like there's great basketball to be watched. We don't have to talk about whether or not 82 games means no, no no single game matters or the fact that like guys sit out or like the way the schedule works is like it's very rare when you get the actual national TV matchup that you want and it plays out the way you know a sports fan might expect. But we've been basically held hostage by this Simmons saga since last sp- summer, you know, since 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 like basically summer league but like essentially like the second after that Atlanta series ended. Do you think that this kind of like, well, the NBA is 24-7. It's so fun. It's tweets and Instagram likes and gossip and trade rumors and Wendy and Woj and like all of this stuff kind of like happening in the background. But is the background the foreground and the, the game is the background now? Well, Chris, if you remember after all of our big three content, uh, we were then prepping lockout content and it does feel yes. like we're headed in that direction. Right. I think you do. You think that? Well, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head when the next CBA negotiation or when the next opt out is, but that's typically what happens when major shifts like this happen in the league. Uh, and it doesn't take like, well, there are only real like a couple teams that benefit from this era of the super team. It's like all there's like the couple big markets and it takes all of the smaller markets to basically get together and be like, eh, actually, we don't like this. This doesn't benefit us. How do we like massage the rules in order to get this back into our favor for a lockout to happen for things to change? And obviously the players aren't going to want to go for that. And yeah, it just feels like definitely from a media side, but you could also tell from people who actually are in charge of constructing this team, just the level of fatigue of having to follow all this stuff. I mean, a lot of the league is coming down to the whims of a couple of guys, and it's just not like a a way you can run a multinational, multi-billion dollar business. And it just seems like things are coming to a head. Yeah, I just, you know, the second that the trade deadline passed, it was like, is Zion the next big name to like ask out? What's going to happen this summer with Beal and Lillard? Like, who's next? Who's moving? Who's going to want out? I just saw that Harden did, did not pick up his player option, which essentially puts the Sixers on a half-season clock. Like, no no joke. Like, while there's confidence between the Sixers and Harden that they will move forward together, like, yada, yada, the same thing he said to the Nets. But, like, we could be, you know, one second-round exit of the Sixers away from Harden being like, I'm going to take my, my talents to free agency and go... or paying him $40 million a year for the next like four years. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, like I've, I've actually like made peace with that for, <laughs> you know, like I can't believe it, but I have. So 
Sarah, what do you think? I mean, do you think that like I mean, you you said you makes you feel old? Does it make you feel like there's any like mortal threat to like the NBA with this stuff? Uh, well, quick quick point on the heart and health thing. Uh, just because it's been on my mind, uh, I I feel like we're a little bit overplaying that. The guy is 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 big, strong, and and shoots and has a ton of sk- skill. Like he's he's gonna age fine. He's definitely big. Yeah, yeah, and I also w- will mention that uh, there's been reports that Ben Simmons will be joining the Nets on their road trip, and Patty Mills was like, he's in a great place. So e- it, this it does seem to have helped everybody in in the ways they needed it to help them. As they put it in the uh, in the in the All Star selection, I think it was KD who said, "I think everybody got what they wanted," and that mm, is yeah. it, it is I feel felt like maybe it was it was like half high road, half passive aggressive on his part. But it is maybe a positive spin on everything that's going on right now. Like, you know, I'm it, I'm, I'm kind of in like it. But if it's if it's good, why does it feel so bad? Place with with that idea of it though. <laughs> like, um, mm. yeah, it's honestly it's never it's never really been my favorite part of like you know being an NBA fan by any means. And now it's all like yeah, you hear people talk about NBA transactions and you kind of I don't know it really. It really coalesces with the way they talk about trading NFTs. And I'm just like, are we watching the games? You know, is this fun for anybody? I don't know. I guess it is fun for people. Well, it was, it was, I think it was a hugely entertaining aspect of being a modern NBA fan to participate in this kind of meta narrative around it and to kind of mm-hmm. speculate about what could or couldn't happen. I mean, Bill essentially like the foundation of his like writing career was like messing around with the mm-hmm. trade machine and second guessing GMs. He's like really open about that. Like that was something that I think most modern NBA fans and writers and pundits kind of like cut their teeth on. But I do wonder whether or not, like if none of this stuff like means anything, I, I don't know how you get fans to believe it means. Something. Yeah. I think we kind of like went on the step ladder from, you know, fandom being about people daydreaming about, you know, different players that could be on their teams to now, you know, everybody kind of watches everything as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's also just like you could you could go from being a fan to now stepping into like this role of like, you know, the guys like Maury and Hinky kind of invented this where like, you know, just your average like sports fan can kind of imagine themselves in like a in like a gm role and i think that definitely contributes to it as well like i do think there's a like there's a pretty large segment of fans that are very much interested in this stuff even if it you know chris i was like reading the rundown yesterday and i was like you know chris seems like pissed off that that he has james harden on his team you know just after a day of <laughs> trying to like keep, keep up with everything that's, that's, that's getting on that's, that's that's going on but i will say like if we are going to continue with this state of affairs, I feel like what we saw yesterday is the perfect solution because it kind of gives somebody like me something to something to do. Just wa- watching KD try to like not be passive aggressive the whole time and then kind of come into this perfect situation where he can just shade Harden without shading him. Um, yeah, was was so much fun to watch. It was fun to watch like LeBron. Ma- like I feel like LeBron wasn't necessarily egging him on, but he was very much there for TNT. Like Chuck asking him uncomfortable questions. I don't know if KD could see LeBron and the inside crew because he was like staring. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, "What's?" I feel like I hear people laughing, but I can't mm-hmm. see it. And meanwhile, like everybody else was like bit of just absolutely breaking down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, just like the, the blank stare was 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 a lot of fun. But yeah, no, I, th- I think like that, that that's it, honestly. Like, I just think we want I want to see more stuff like that. Like, I want to see if, if there is going to be drama like this, then I want 
also like the euphoria episode version of it too like that's that's it like if we're gonna have everybody just hating each other and like you know james is annoyed with Kyrie, so he joined up with with joelle and and ben doesn't like the sixers anymore you know like i I, then let's just let's do a full-throated embrace of it because i feel like we've we we're in this weird place of half measures with the drama where we don't even really know what's going on and it's like these guys don't really just don't really get along and i feel like honestly like this new generation like I feel like they'll talk shit if you ask them to. Like, maybe not KD. KD seems to be a little bit above it, but yeah. If it's going to be this way, they should definitely have just F1 drive to survive. Yeah. Like, these guys should just have cameras on them all the maybe time. Maybe that's the next generation. I feel like when Jalen sure. Green is, like, inevitably pissed at his superstar, uh, co- like, you know, teammate, he will just be like, oh, yeah. That, <laughs> what that's what superstar like, you know, in, in, in the eventuality that it happens. Like, I, I feel like he'll just be like, ah, yeah, that guy sucked, and here are the reasons why. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Justin, before we get out of here, I did want to ask a little bit about like whether you felt like there, what was the most like consequential deal outside of the Harden-Simmons thing that like would just, just like trade deadline reactions that if there was a if you thought maybe like a contending team made themselves especially better, if there was a move maybe in the middle or the bottom that you thought was especially intriguing to you. Can we talk about this Porzingis deal? Yeah. Yeah. I still don't understand what happened. <laughs> like I'm still waiting to find out that there were multiple first round draft picks that went one way or another. And I'm not really sure which way they would go in order for this to make sense. I think it matters because Luka Doncic is one of the best young players in NBA history. And this is might be one of the biggest moves that Dallas has to make in order to surround him while they still have him under contract. He hasn't even started this uh, Supermax extension yet, but like already like they are forming the team these things start early forming the team in order that he will probably march on to the conference finals or wherever he gets to and it's just it's very bizarre to see them abort on Porzingis in such a dramatic way for guys who are okay and also have potentially just as bad of a contract like Bertans is like budget Porzingis 
with a longer, worse contract, I think. Like, not as much money, but, like, the length is, like, pretty bad. And, like, Dinwiddie has been awful. Um, and so, like, I don't know. Maybe they know something about Porzingis' health. He obviously hasn't been good, particularly offensively. I think he's shooting in, like, the 20s from three-point mm-hmm. range. But, like, this has major ripple effects in terms of, like, Doncic's future and thus, like, the future of the title race. It's interesting, Sirit, that that was a deal done by this new Mavs administration. And with a new coach and with a new GM in charge, it's not the Donnie Haralabob guys anymore. It's This is like Nico and Jason Kidd. So let me ask you this. Is there a world in which like getting in Bertans and Dinwiddie, is Dallas trying to construct a Clippers-esque, multifaceted, shooters and guards everywhere like lineup and that they're going to basically play five out, you know, or like four out with Powell in the middle or something like that? And just, like, do what the Clippers did, which is, like, on any given night, you might get 25 from one of these six guys plus Luka. Yeah, I I think, honestly, like, for them to be able to make a trade and actually get something back and not have to give up Jalen Brunson or or DFS, um, I think that's great. Also, like, it just just feels like both, everybody here could have used a palate cleanser, you know? Like, for, for KP, I think him getting out of here is good, right? And I know obviously he's got the injury issues and stuff, but it's never really worked out for him. I think this season, ironically, was probably the closest it ever came, but it, it just feels like it's always flashes with him in, in Dallas. And he's ultimately just not that physical. And I think that, like, when you play with a guy like Luca, like, you just you want to be able to have somebody that can be in the interior a lot. Um, and, you know, and, like, we'll, we'll be down to be there. And... You know, it gives it gives him an extra ball handler and Spencer, another guy who I think like, you know, just got off to a really bad start is also recovering from an injury. Uh, I, I like him. I like him in Dallas's system. I think, you know, him and him and Jason Kidd should be like an interesting kind of fit together. <laughs> no, but like really, it could be it could actually end up being pretty good. Like, I don't know, like point two point guards uh, is always interesting. And, you know, I think Spencer's one of the more kind of believes in his own intelligence guys in, in the NBA. I'm kind of cautiously optimistic on the Dallas side of this I I I like what they did honestly I think you know just getting KP out of there for something is is pretty good let me like leave us with one mildly hot take kind of like the Sabonis deal for the Kings yeah come aboard my friend (laughs) you too yeah I love it okay I want both your takes (laughs) we were greeted with like absolute like everybody like like flailing around because like Halliburton is such a god to to like all you guys Mm -hmm. I guess like that's cool yeah no I I'm just saying like based on like the incredibly small sample size of one full NBA game I was pretty impressed with how the Kings played against the Wolves and I thought they were super fun and sometimes you have to like step back to step forward and I just you know they obviously Halliburton you should have like everybody's like keep Halliburton try to trade Fox like because like that's you have a cheaper asset who makes other people around him better and everything but just like they got you know they I bet that's a locker room problem over there not with Halliburton but like they got rid of Bagley obviously they got rid of Halliburton there is kind of like a this is who we have and this is who we are going with going forward and I kind of think like all of Gentry's kind of problems as a coach aside, like Gentry with a creative big man is, is really fun, you know, like, mm-hmm. and watching Sabonis from the foul line, just like fine shooters all, all night against the Timberwolves was pretty cool. I, I don't know that the Kings are going anywhere, but I don't think this was like dis- dissolve this team bad at the way it was kind of received when it first happened. Justin, do you agree with me? Yeah. It clarified the roster in ways that hadn't happened in 
15 years yeah. maybe like or the last time they were actually halfway decent with Dave Yeager running a very fast-paced offensive deer and fox driven system it's just like there's cogency here that wasn't there before and like in terms of asset for asset I don't know if it was like a particularly like huge win for the Kings like you have Halliburton who could be something way more on a rookie scale contract versus a bonus who has two years left on his deal but like Sabonis starting the break for De'Aaron Fox makes a lot of sense and all the other moves that they made to follow that up getting like Justin Holiday, a wing defender which they hadn't really had previously uh in the deal for Sabonis and then following up with Dante DiVincenzo like I just like what they're doing there there's like a clear vision which is something for the Kings like that is like the bare minimum you're hoping for and like they finally have that which is fun Cowtown baby yeah, no, yeah, you guys are, yeah, no, they've really coalesced a whole bunch of guys who can't shoot together. I detect some sarcasm. We should probably wrap things up. Justin, thanks so much for joining Sierra and I today. Uh, this has been our NBA trade deadline pod. There's literally like seven hours of podcasts to listen to since yesterday. Bill had a four-parter. I'm sure Rosillo's going up today. There was a real one's. Uh, mismatch I'm sure is going up today so uh, tons of stuff to listen to over the weekend thanks so much to Chris Sutton for producing us today we'll be back next week this episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes as a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere get tickets now